0: So over the past weeks, I've uh, been speaking about some different concepts. I did a sermon on overcoming the adversary, and we talked about from First Peter chapter five, verse eight, that your adversary, the devil, roars—you know—goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But we're to be alert and uh, and to stand against him and resist him, and he'll flee from us. And then we talked about getting free from generational iniquity, the things that are handed down through our family lines, the things that we grew up with that we don't even many times understand that are affecting our lives and are affecting our thinking. And we talked about how to take care of those and to break those. And then we talked about really ungodly thinking. And the sermon was called Change your, changing your thinking will change your life and that that we have to, to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We have to take these things and war in the spirit to bring our minds into alignment with who God is. And then we talk about faith to receive the promises of God and how Joshua, how the Lord said to him, every place where you'll set your foot, I have given it to you. And so that when they stepped out in faith, they conquered. When they didn't step out, the enemy remained. And so to receive the promises of God, we have to step out in faith and believe and, and do what the Lord has opened up before us. And then I talked about the last time, which was two weeks ago since I was gone last week, was life as God intends it to be. And so really what I'm looking at and, and trying to, to really get in our hearts is that God has God has a life that He wants to give to us and have us participate to in, in the fullest. He wants us to be filled with His life and filled with His abundance. But there seems to be many times invisible things that are standing in the way, and it just it just really stops us from experiencing life as God intends it to be. And so I want to talk about getting to the root of the problem and getting to the root issue. Because a lot of times what happens, now think about this. This has happened way more than we would like to. Because when they talk about doctors, they say doctors practice medicine. And so, what can happen is sometimes a doctor, even though they're doing the best they know how, they make a wrong diagnosis because some some diseases have similar uh, things you know that that they have so for example, let's say a doctor sees some symptoms that a person has, and they're they're real common in in a certain disease, and so they'll say, "You have this." But, in fact, they have a super rare disease that, that most doctors don't even know about because it's so minuscule, but it has some of the same symptoms and how easy it is for, for that to take place. I'm sure you might have even heard stories where someone said, I went to the doctor and they were, were, were trying to cure me with this kind of medication and all these things, but they misdiagnosed. And I was thinking about this, is that a wrong diagnosis comes up with the wrong solution. So if you misdiagnose what's going on, you will not bring the proper solution to it. And that's what I really want to talk about today. So if there's this rare disease that only a certain medication can take care of and they're giving you another one, it's not going to help. As a matter of fact, things can continue to be worse. And And I've heard of that, too, is where people were getting certain antibiotics or certain things, and they just kept getting worse and worse because it was a misdiagnosis. And so what we need to do in our own lives is correctly diagnose the the root issue and the root things. And so many times what we try to do is change the fruit. You know how a tree works, right, (laughs) generally, they 're in the ground, they have roots, and they draw nutrients out of out of the ground. they water and nutrients, and then the, you know the sun comes, but out of the roots is where everything comes if they 're not rooted in into the ground they 'll die and we 've seen trees that have fallen over and they 're dead because they have no roots to get the nutrients and those kind of things and so so the uh, they come and then they bring forth these nutrients and they bring forth fruit. Well, you can pick the fruit all day long and it won't affect the tree at all because it'll produce next year. If it stays healthy, it'll produce the year after. And so it's like this, and this is the picture I want us to get. Is many times in our life, we see the fruit of what's going on in, in our root system, if you want to say it that way. We see the fruit and we try to deal with the fruit and I want to give you some examples so let's say you're dealing with anger you're really struggling with anger so what do you think well I just need to not get angry well there's a reason for your anger there's a root issue that's causing anger to come out of your life how about if you have something like being fearful there's a root issue that that's causing you to be fearful there's some thoughts that you're having there's some situations that have happened in your life that are causing this fear to rise up. And it might not make sense, but it's rising up anyway. And so you say, oh, God, you've not given me the spirit of fear. And you seek to try to get rid of the fear because you just want to get rid of the, the actually the fruit of it rather than the root. And the sad part is, is that when we pluck the fruit and we get rid of that, it'll keep coming back and coming back and coming back until we deal with the issue of the root. Why is this here? Why am I responding this way? And we can be, do that with, with being sorrowful, with being depressed, with uh, being lonely in the sense of when I'm saying lonely, I'm talking about super lonely, all alone, all these things. There are stuff that's happened in our hearts and our lives that cause us to think in this way when actually the presence of the Lord is with us and <clears throat> there are other things that are taking place. So one of the problems then is that we need to find the root because when we find the root and deal with it, we'll have a solution. The fruit will no longer come because we've dealt with this root. And so um, let me see how many I have here. I have four, four roots that I want to talk about that are possible in our lives. So the first one is the demonic realm and i think in american christianity it's one of the most overlooked things because we have been raised in a culture where everything that goes on in a person's life is analyzed through psychology i mean most of us have had classes on psychology or we can even talk about many of the different things that they have many of the different ways that they try to describe what's going on in a person's life And it's set up through psychology. But one of the major problems I see with psychiatry and psychology is that they leave God out of the picture. They leave everything spiritual and supernatural outside of this realm. And they look for physical reasons for everything, natural reasons for the things that are happening. And they try to treat them not spiritually but just simply naturally and through medications and through these things. And I'm not against, you know, those kind of things because sometimes it, medication does help, but it doesn't get to the core root because you have to stay on that medication many times for life if you have some issues. And so, but if you leave God out of the picture and you ignore the demonic realm, then we are absolutely. Um, wide open to be affected and afflicted by by that, you know you can get counseling for years, and i 've heard this many times because after all i i 've been doing deliverance ministry for like twenty two almost twenty three years now, and i 've heard people say that they 've been to counselor after counselor they 've been counseling for years. And they were never able to get through it, but when they were ministered to through deliverance and the Spirit was cast out, they were able to change and have instantaneous change. And I think that happens so, uh, so easily. I've given you this story, but I'm going to give you the brief version. So I grew up in a home that was filled with rage. I mean, my dad was, whew, he he was kind of scary. And uh, and so I would never know. I'd walk in the house, and I'd, I'd kind of look in and find out if he was sleeping on the couch, I was safe. If he was just sitting there and maybe... If he was humming or something, oh, boy, we're in good shape. But, you know, if he's sitting there and he's scowling, boy, I better watch out. I'm going to walk in really quiet. I'm going to be just because you never know when he was going to blow up and you never know what he was going to do to you. And so I grew up in this, and in, out of this I had this intense rage within me. I had a physical rage I could feel that would come from my stomach and fill my chest, and it would just consume me. And I would hear these voices in my head to hurt people, kill them, smash them, beat them till they die, do this, do that. I'd hear all these things, and so I grew up with this rage, and and I didn't understand it. I thought, man, it, just the flesh, you know. After I came to the Lord, I didn't come to Jesus till I was twenty-one. So I would just go and I'd get drunk because that's what I did to deal with my my stuff. I'd go get drunk, and I'd just walk up to someone I didn't even know. I'd pick a fight with them. I just do. I was just angry and mean, and 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 it was something that was going on in my life. And so when I became a believer, I learned about the flesh, and that oh, I said, okay, this is a thing of the flesh—anger. You know, it talks about get rid of wrath and anger and these kind of things because they're the works of the flesh. And so that's how I tried to deal with it constantly. I tried to deal with it in that manner, and nothing changed. I mean, for for 18 years of my Christian life, I walked around with this rage that would rise up within me. It would just, and just consume me. And I just, I didn't do anything because I was crucifying my flesh. And I never hurt anybody or harmed anybody after I came to the Lord. But these things were in my mind. They were constantly there. And then I went to one meeting and in one meeting with one prayer, a man prayed over me and commanded the spirit to leave my life. And once I felt that going up and understood, wow, this is really a demonic thing. I agreed with it and commanded it to leave and I felt it just, boom, just release out of my chest. and. I've been totally, absolutely delivered from that. Not that you don't get angry, but you know what I'm saying? There's a difference between a spirit of, I call it the spirit of murder, because it's always telling me to hurt somebody. And it leaves. But if you don't believe in the demonic, if you don't believe that there's a possible root of the demonic in your life, you'll never change. So for 18 years of my Christian, Christian walk, that's exactly how it was. And you know, for 12 of those, I was, a, I was a pastor dealing with this rage thing, thinking it was the flesh, because I didn't understand this. But once I understood it, once I got delivered, it was over. It was finished. Not that you don't get angry, but there's a difference between, <laughs> <laughs> I want to kill you, and getting angry. Uh, it says get angry and don't sin. So, I mean, anger is a part of our life. The same thing happened to Suzette, but hers was in the area of fear. She had all this fear in her life, and, and I knew she was a little fearful, but I didn't understand the depth of the torment and the torture that was in her mind. She constantly was thinking that someone was going to come in into the house and kill her, or if she was stopped at a stoplight, she'd have all the, the doors of the vehicle locked because she was afraid someone was going to kidnap her rape her and kill her and so she had this constant terror for years and years and years of her life and so then one day she told me she said terry i have this fear and she explained it to me and i just got angry not at her but i said spirit i command you in the name of jesus christ come out and boy boom she got set free and delivered Not that she's never been afraid again, but she's not terrorized. She's not thinking of this. And so if we just deal with the psychological things, they're going to say, oh, Terry, you're hearing voices. Let me give you some drugs because you're psychotic or you're whatever terminology that they want to use. Or Suzette, you're thinking these things. And it'll never deal with the issue because demonic things need to be kicked out. And so we're going to look at Something that I think is, is a good example of this. In Mark chapter 5, we have the story of the, the Gadis, Gadarene demoniac. That's what that's called anyway, or the Gerasenes. Some, some say Gadarene. And so here's what takes place. Verse 1, it says, They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. And when he got out of the boat, this is Jesus, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, not even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken into pieces and no one was strong enough to subdue him now what kind of what kind of diagnosis would the psychiatrist give it says constantly day and night he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and he was gashing himself with stones and seeing Jesus from a distance he ran up and bowed before him and shouting with a loud voice he said What business do we have with each other? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God, do not torment me. Now, isn't that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in your life? This one that is tormenting this guy, causing him to cut himself with stones and to live among the tombs. And we know he was also naked and he was just running around doing all these crazy things. And then the Spirit... Isn't that like a bully? Oh, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. You know, the second you stand up to him, no, don't hurt me. That's what he's doing, this spirit. And it says, for because Jesus had been saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country, Now, there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, "'Send us into the swine that we may enter them.' Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea." And their herdsmen ran away and they reported it to the city and into the country. And the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. The very man who had had the legion. And they became frightened. And those who had seen it described how it had happened, the demon-possessed man, and about the swine, and began to implore him to leave the region. And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. I think I'd do that too. Come on, Jesus, I want to be with you, man. I want to be with you. And then it says, He did not let him, but he said, Go home to your people and report to them. What great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and he began to proclaim in Decapolis, which means ten cities. He's talking about ten. Deca is ten. uh, What things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed because they knew who this man was. You see, you could have counseled this guy. You could have put him in. You could have put him on, in drugs. You could have done everything in the world. But Jesus comes, and in one moment of time, it, it says he kept telling him to come out. So it took a, a, a little bit for him to get delivered. But let's say in one afternoon, this guy gets absolutely, totally, 100% set free, is clothed, and in his right mind. That's not a psychology thing. I've read a lot of stuff on these things, and some of the guys go, oh, it was just, they, they didn't know, it's just a psychological thing. Well, if Jesus had the power to just give this power of suggestion to this guy to get healed, it's pretty amazing. That's even a bigger miracle than him showing the power of kicking out this demon. And so he knew that there was demonic forces. And everywhere he went, as you read through the gospels, Jesus Christ cast out demons. So demons are real, and we have to understand that they're still alive. They haven't gone away. They were alive in the times of the apostles. The apostles cast out demons. And they did these things and and took care of these things. These were after Jesus' resurrection. We we can understand it maybe before Jesus' resurrection, but it says that he conquered all the the works of the enemy. He conquered and he destroyed the things, and he has given us authority over them. And so here is the thing that I want to do. I want to give you some possibilities of... your adversary's presence in your life I guess I just want to say it that way if you go to the experiencing his victory website I've done a whole article probably about two thousand words that are on this called fighting your real adversary it's called fighting your real adversary but I'm just gonna give you the highlights I have 12 different ways that you can kind of identify now if you have some of these it doesn't mean that there's a demon involved because we don't believe You know, that oh, uh, everything's demonic, everything's demonic. But there are real demonic things and inroads that have taken place in our lives because of things that have happened. And so here are the major categories. So in your life, if you have chaos and constant crisis, one after another, after another, after another, and it never seems to be an end, then I would start looking and find out what's going on and why is this taking place in my life or in our home or in my relationship with my family as at large. Whatever it is, if there's kind of constant chaos or constant crisis, then you need to start looking at it because there's always something going on. And it's always dramatic and it's always uh, negative and not good. And what the Lord says, Jesus comes and He says, Peace give I to you, not as the world gives. And so our houses should be ho- homes of peace and the presence of the Lord and those kind of things. And so the first one is is chaos and constant crisis. The second one is confusion. God God's not a God of confusion. And so if we're having confusion, we just can't seem to get our our minds under control we're just confused we don't know what to do where to go how to do it and it always seems like there's these question marks in our mind and we're just confused over issues then I would start looking and find out if there's a demonic root to that another one is emotional upheaval emotional upheaval you know the high highs and the low lows and just ah you know I'm Whoa! Does that make sense? Whoa! Yeah, you know, you're just like ah. if you have these kind of things going on, and there's emotional roller coaster constantly, then I would also begin to look at this. And the fourth one is chronic accidents. Chronic accidents they happen over and over and over and over, and you're thinking if someone's going to get hurt, it's going to be me because that's the way it's been. I think I told you this once before, but I've I've had so many accidents that you can't even believe it until I found out about this and I cut this thing off. You know, um, I, I've been hurt on my, and it's always on my right side. I can never figure this out, but who knows? Who cares? But on my right side, I've had surgery on, on my right foot. I've had a broken right ankle. I've had two broken legs. Uh, On the right side, I've had my knee in a cast three different times because of either skiing accidents, those kind of things. I was even, you know, when I was an older kid, I was goofing off riding on one of those little horses, you know, you stick a quarter in or whatever. And I I was on that. I got off, and, and the thing hit my knee, and I had to go to the hospital, and they took out two huge syringes full of water from my knee because of the damage that had happened. And so then I had uh, I had my right knuckle, I broke that, smashing it when I was angry in the good old days, and uh, smashing something, I just broke it and it crushed it. I broke my right thumb here, I broke my right arm, I uh, shattered my right elbow, I had my right shoulder dislocated, and every one of these is in a different accident except for the elbow and the shoulder. Every single one was a separate accident. It wasn't just, I got creamed and all this stuff happened. No, this is over and over and over and over and over. And finally I said, no, this this, this is nuts. There's got to be something spiritual about this. And so I just dealt with it and stood against the Lord. And if, if you need help on any of this stuff, I'll be happy to help you. So another possibility is mental and psychological issues. If we're having mental and psychological issues, then there could be a demonic force behind this that's seeking to torment you, just like it tormented that Gerizim demonic or it tormented Suzette. Not every mental problem has to do with demons, but there's a lot that come about because of demonic influence. So I just want you to know this if you 've had sexual sin in your life there's possibilities for spirits to enter in through that because this is a huge area where where the enemy will come and bring uh, all sorts of perversion if you 've had you know if you 've been abused sexually or if you've had someone molest you if you 've had had uh, different things take place in your life, then these spirits can come and they can begin to uh, Shape your thinking and your your mind. So another one uh, then is chronic sicknesses or illnesses that have been passed down hereditarily. You know they just say, well, it's in my family. It's in my family. Heart attack after heart attack, heart attack. You know here and there, diabetes. It's all oh, it just runs in the family. Everyone in the family gets this, and some people name it their their sickness. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The blank family curse or blank family sickness. This is what we all have to do. And I wonder when I'm going to get it because there's this pattern that goes on and on. And that can be a demonic thing that can be broken. And that's why I was telling you that as I stood up for my family, I said, No, we're going to change this. We're going to break the pattern of sickness and disease. We're going to break the pattern of things that have been handed down through the generations. And through both sides of our family, we're going to sever this off. And we're going to live in what Jesus has for us. And to begin to proclaim and begin to move towards seeing healing. And I'm not stopping until I see it. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm going to pray till I see health in our family. Then addictions are another one. Addictions are huge. And especially if you're involved in drugs and anything that alters your mind, the enemy can come into those things and, and work and do things to you. And that's, you know, psychedelic, you know, like you're having these, Visions and all these different things that are drug-induced and and demonic forces come in for those things How about self-destructive behaviors if you have self-destructive behaviors? Then I can almost guarantee you that the enemy's at work in that there's a spirit of death There's a spirit of destruction that that can be released in people you know if you're cutting if you're if you're having struggles with With issues like bulimia, anorexia, all these different things, there's very good possibility that there's a demonic force at work seeking to bring your destruction through these kind of things. Um, you know, there's cutting and there's hitting and there there you know, people I've talked to people they just sit down and they just punch their legs till they're black and blue because they hurt so much inside they, they think it helps in order to get away from that other pain to experience this kind of pain. And so they'll cut themselves or they'll beat themselves or they'll choke themselves or they'll pull their hair or they'll do all sorts of things to bring damage. And, and those kind of things, I truly believe, have, have a demonic source. Another way that we can have some indication, maybe that the enemies at work in our life, is occult involvement. If you had any occult involvement, even when you were a kid, you know, sometimes we're playing. Oh, I'm just playing with the Ouija board. We're just goofing around. Hee hee. You know, and oh, this is fun. Oh, I'm going to go have my palm read. I'm going to go have this take place, have that take place. All of these things are occult involvement, and you better believe there's demons behind them because what do you think is the source behind the occult? It's Satan himself and every demon of hell that wants to seek to bring people into bondage and these are seeking to do things through occult power and through demonic power and then f- also false religions and cults or secret societies that's another entry point for the enemies to come in and you know especially false religions anything that has idol worship and those kind of things you know there are people who have actually gone and they've gone into a temple or something like that and they've been they, they've gone there to visit or to do something. And because they walked into that place, there was a demonic influence because they entered willingly and they wanted to go in and find out what was going on. And so there's this opportunity for the enemy to work in their lives. And especially secret societies. Like I'm not sure if you've, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard of Freemasonry. And like the Shriners, the different groups like that. Do you know and realize there's a different levels, right? And every level they speak curses over their bodies and over their families. And at what you see in many of the people who are there, there's a lot of people who die from heart attacks because they speak about stabbing. May you stab me in the heart. May this take place. May I die? May I my tongue get ripped out. May this happen. May that happen. As they're doing the various vows, they've got tons of different ones that they say. And if you look through them, they systematically go through the whole body and they curse every part of their body and they curse their families. But they're thinking that they're just making these nice little sayings. But since they're speaking them with their mouths, they open it up to demonic power. And so these things take place where the enemy comes. And the final one, and now, you know, these aren't exhaustive, but they're just major ones. If you have chronic financial struggle, then you might want to start looking. You know, people, there's people who make a lot of money, but they never have any. It just slips through their fingers. They don't, they can't save anything. They can't do anything. It seems like everything breaks down all the time. There's always struggling financially, even though they're making, you know, two or three times what you might be making and they're just struggling and fighting and having difficulties so i'm saying all this so that we can ask the lord because the lord will show us the root if we'll ask him and we'll be faithful to just press in and listen and say lord i'm seeing this in my life what is the root of this what is the root could be a family thing where there's who knows? It could be someone made a vow. Someone opened the door to the enemy to come in. And, you know, I, I know my dad opened the door for many things in, in our family that uh, many struggled with because of the choices that he made. See, a parent is supposed to be your protector. He's supposed to be a one that sets a hedge around you. Your mom and your dad are to be the ones who care for you and keep you safe and do the best that they possibly can to have an atmosphere where there's life and abundance. But when they choose to sin, it opens the door for iniquity to come down because now we're shaped by what they have done. It doesn't mean that we're forced to do it, but... So there you go. This is the one I'm going to spend obviously the most time on because I think this is the one that people struggle with the most. Uh, You know, like when I minister to people, they'll look at me. I'll say, well, there's a possible spirit here, and they'll look at me like, are you kidding? You know, what century are you living in? Well, I'm living in now. There's as many demons here now as in the time of Jesus. It's just that we call them psychology things. All right, so let's just go through these other three because I'm not going to go in depth on these because... I've kind of touched them in these other sermons that I talked about. So the second one is the flesh, and we need to crucify the flesh. You see, when I was trying to crucify that spirit, nothing happened. Never had, the anger never went away. That thing continually rose within me all the time. But when I cast it out, help this guy, and cast that out, then guess what? It was gone. But you can't cast out the flesh. You cannot cast out the flesh. I just want to read a series of verses on this and talk to us about the flesh. The flesh is that which fights against the Spirit of God. So Galatians 5.24 says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. And so there's this idea of crucifying, the idea of considering our flesh to be dead. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, Because of the hardness of their heart, and they are having become calloused, have given themselves over to sensuality and to the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Now here's the part where he's talking to believers, but you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as the truth is in Jesus that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, same thing as crucifying the flesh, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness, holiness, and truth. So he says we have to put this aside and take what God's made available to us, the new man, and live in this new man. So why? Why do we need to do this? Well, I think Romans 8, verses 6 through 8 says, For the mind that's set on the flesh is death, but the mind that's set on the spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's a good reason. It brings death. And it doesn't please God. Makes things very difficult. It's hostility towards Him. So how do we do it? Well, we've already said put off the old and put on the new. But... Here's what it says in Romans chapter six, verses six and seven. Knowing this that our old man, or our old self was crucified with Jesus, in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we are no longer to be slaves to sin, for he who has died is free from sin. And then Romans 6:11, "Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. And then Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. God's given us His Holy Spirit. God's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And so when we choose to walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because we'll be walking according to God's purpose and those kind of things. So what happens, I think, when it comes to issues of the flesh, it's so easy for us to blame other people for why we're the way we are. We blame others. And I used to do that. It's my dad. I'm a jerk because he was, right? All you guys know this because I've said it before. I'm a jerk because he was. But it's not right. I chose to be a jerk. I didn't have to choose what I chose. I could have done different things. I could have been a different person. But I chose to emulate my dad. I chose to do the things. And so the thing is, is that God has given us the ability to live differently. We can walk in the Spirit. We can walk in His power. He doesn't expect us to do it in our own strength. That's why it says walk in the Spirit. The power of the Spirit and the direction of the Spirit. And we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So a third way that were our roots within us are wounds. Man when we're wounded the first thing anybody wants to do is to get rid of the pain. I mean you have a headache do you go all oh, right I hope it gets worse. I don't think so. We just man we just want to get rid of it. This thing's driving me crazy. But when we have wounds in our hearts, then what happens is that we start, we start finding ways to cope with the pain. And then finding ways to cope with the pain, it tries to cover it up or push it down or stop the feelings of pain. And when we do these coping mechanisms, they never actually deal with the root. They never actually deal with the pain. And so we never are set free from it. And what God wants to do is he wants to help us to get set free. I've, I've said this before, but I just want to remind us every memory that we have is connected with a memory, either a good, neutral or a bad memory. And so you can just be sitting here, think a thought, and all of a sudden you can start crying because your heart's hurt, the wound's there, it's staying there. And then you try to take care of it. You deal with it with whatever coping mechanisms you've tried to learn. And really what happens, I believe, this is one of my personal beliefs, that many of uh, the addictions that people have in their life come from this woundedness and not dealing with the wounds but trying to cover it up to medicate it, to deal with it through drugs and alcohol or Whatever form, eating, all the different ways that we can do, spending, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these different ways that we try to deal with this pain. But if we get down to the root, we have to go to the pain. And because we want to get away from the pain, (laughs) we don't want to go there. But you know, the greatest thing, and I've found this to work every single time, every single time in my life, That when I'm willing to go to where the pain is to find out what's going on and deal with the pain and actually give that pain to Jesus and ask him to heal my heart, he'll do it. But I have to face the pain. I have to face what has happened to me. I have to face the situations and the things that I'm feeling. And the interesting thing is that when I give it to Jesus by faith and say, Lord, I give you this hurt, I give you the wound, I give you the feelings of betrayal. I give you the anger. I give you the rage that I have. I give you the feelings of insecurity. I give you, I give you, I give you. When I give those things to him and I say, Lord, heal my heart. When I give him all those things, even the next time I think about that memory, there's no pain. There's no anguish of the soul. The wound has been healed because the lord heals the brokenhearted but we have to come to him as healer we have to come by faith and give him because he says he bore all these things for us but when we give them to him then we're able to get set free and we can walk in newness of life so getting to the root and giving the pain to jesus and he heals and restores gives life now the last one is ungodly thinking. So our thoughts are the roots from which we live our lives. Plain and simple. Our thoughts are what we live our life out of. And so how you view life determines how you respond and how you act. <clears throat> you cannot experience the truth when you're believing a lie. It's impossible. You cannot Experience the truth of God's word, the truth of his wholeness, the truth of who you are, unless you get rid of the lies. So there's four major forms of this. Four major forms of these ungodly thinking. The first one is the thinking of the world. You know, there's so many things, and it talks about this in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, it talks about speculations and every lofty thing that's exalted against the knowledge of God and our thoughts, the thoughts that come our way. It's, it's, we're shaped by the world. That's why, that's why Paul writes in, in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because the world wants to shape us in its mold it's it's working overtime to crunch us in and to make us and to force us to think like them and to act like them and to value what they value but those things aren't based on truth when we're talking about the things of the world these speculations are, are philosophies and concepts and ideas They're the things like humanism and and socialism and communism and all these things that try to replace living in relationship and living in the kingdom of God. And so these things come. And then another thing that really can stop us from moving ahead is if we have an incorrect view of God. If you think God's angry at you and he hates you, guess what? You're not running to him, you're not coming to him as a father and saying, here I am, I'm coming to you because I'm hurting, you're afraid of Him, and you're running, and you're hiding, and you're doing things like that. And so there's this whole idea, if we have incorrect thinking about God, it's going to shape the way that we live and respond to Him. Or even incorrect thinking about ourselves, that's the next one. Incorrect thinking about ourselves. You know, if, if we really believed what the Scripture says of who we are in Christ, It would just transform everything. I mean, if we would truly deep in our heart, not with our brain, but with our heart, understand we're a son or daughter of God, we'd just be before Him, and we'd be at peace and at ease in His presence. If we understood that we're His ambassadors, we would know that we are people of authority and that we have things that we can do to walk in His ways, we'd know... That we're his sheep and he's going to care for us as the good shepherd. We'd start understanding these things and live differently because of it. And then incorrect thinking about others. You know, if you have an incorrect thought that everyone that you come in contact with is going to rip you off or hurt you or harm you in some way, how open will you be? You might have been hurt in the past, but now it's shaped your thinking. You think... They're just out to get whatever they can get. They're out to hurt me. They're going to trick me and deceive me. Now, there are ones that want to do that. I mean, so let's be real, but not everybody. And so we live our life with these thoughts, uncorrect thoughts about others that cause us to to not receive the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives and the fullness of what He wants to have. So... here's my suggestion so the next time you have something coming up in your life and you're going where's this coming from just take time to be with the lord and say lord what's the root of this and he'll show you and you can deal with the root because once you deal with the root it will take care of the fruit and you'll be able to walk in newness of life and so it's going to be demonic it's going to be of the flesh it could be wounds it could be ungodly beliefs or other things i'm not saying i'm doing an exhaustive sermon because you wouldn't be able to handle that and i'd probably get tired too after a while uh exhaustive sermons are exhausting are they not so lord we just ask that you give us revelation that you truly show us because i know that as we walk in the truth here's what it says here's what the word of god says it says, if you abide in my word, and my word abides in you, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And our freedom is based upon those things, of abiding in the word of God, abiding in the presence of Jesus because we need to be connected with him, This is in in this idea of being connected in the vine. And then there's this thing. You shall know or experience the truth, and the truth will make us free. So, Lord, we pray that you show us every area of our life, one by one, that's holding us back from living life as you intend it to be. And as we do that, that we'll walk in your ways. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen? Amen.